This is Footy Time with Daniel Andrews, and as always, I'm joined on the other line by Johnny Raftopoulos. And he's got a special treat for us. He's gone back through the archives. Not sure if you've watched any of the footage, but <laughs> maybe some of it was from memory. So 10 moments from the grand finals since 1990. How did you go about your research here, Johnny? Yes, that's right, Dan. We delved deep into the Footy Time archives uh, for the AFL modern era which started in 1990 obviously uh so we have limited our top 10 moments in grand final history to that period uh some other criteria uh it is a single moment in the game uh and it uh yeah so for instance uh i really wanted to put something like darren jarman's last quarter in the 97 grand final in there however that is not in there yeah. Uh, okay. So it has to be. I'm mentioning moment. it right now. Yeah. So I'm um, I'm giving it credit by mentioning it right now. Um, but something that would appear on a highlight reel, it's single moment, the impact it had on the game, and a special bonus if it can be referenced by a certain title like that mark or you know the smother or whatever. Uh, even better. Awesome. Okay. Let's jump into it. Give us number ten. Let's jump into it. Indeed. All right. So number ten. This is one that doesn't really get mentioned that much, and this is more a personal favourite, but I had to include it because it is, in my opinion, in this top 10 of important moments. It's uh, in the 97 grand final, instantly. Uh, incidentally. And it's Austin Jones running goal in that first quarter. Oh, I love this now, goal. I love this goal as well, Dan. This is the only play in the top 10 that came from a losing side, and it's in my opinion, the most underrated moment in modern era grand final history. No one really ever talks about it. Uh, but let's set the scene. Halfway through the first quarter with the Saints eight points down, Robert Harvey kicked it to Jones at the halfback flank and he proceeded to run down the southern stand wing. With Kim Costa in hot pursuit, someone, I can't remember who it was, but someone lays a brilliant shepherd back in the days when you could really shirt front on the shepherd, <laughs> go pretty put hard. them into the turf, and it was play on. Uh Jones took three more bounces down the wing and then juked back inboard at the half-forward flank at the precise moment that he got another shepherd from Barry Hall <laughs> onto someone else I couldn't make out. Jones then gave a scrappy handball off to Andrew Thompson who gathered it off his shoelaces and then quickly handballed it back to the running Jones who from just inside 50 and understandably spent kicks a tumbling punt that sails through with Stewie Lowe giving a nice shepherd on the line. Uh... Dan, I loved this goal as a kid. I thought it was everything that 90s footy was all about. And I think it would get talked about a lot more if the Saints won. What do you reckon? Yeah, this was their crowning moment in this game. So I absolutely agree. I think it does matter a lot whether the team wins or not, whether these moments are actually yeah. remembered. But yeah, seeing him sprinting down that wing in such a big game with the crowd roaring. And I don't know what it is about that game. I've watched it back not that long ago. And the crowd just sounds like ballistically loud. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't know whether like they've just done something weird with the audio, or it was actually like that because it is so much louder than every other grand final I've listened to back on replay. Yeah, I think you're right, and I think the traveling Adelaide fans might have had. Something yeah, to do with I could it have well. been it their first grand yeah. final. So it was an amazing moment, and yeah, Aussie Jones, great player. I guess this is yep. probably his best year, and uh, yeah, signature moment in a grand final, and yeah, that's probably one of my earliest 
footy memories that like is absolutely seared into my brain. So yeah, fantastic one to relive there. And uh, yeah, what a game, you know, Adelaide coming back from what was it, around 20 points down in that. Yeah. I think it's it a bit more than that. So about yeah, four goals or two. Four goals. Jarman going absolutely crazy in that last quarter. And uh, yeah, Adelaide get their first premiership, not favoured to win that game. So fantastic game. Maybe we can do uh, a relived on that game at some point, Johnny. That's Oh, yeah. That's, that would be yeah. a great one to do. I'd like to. It was, like, it was I did enjoy that grand final. And uh, <laughs> I did uh, the celebration that Darren Jarman did on the last goal that snapped off one stem. I used to always try and do that <laughs> when I was playing junior footy. I, the running backwards with the arms in the air. It was one of my favourite celebrations. So, yeah, just a fun fact there. All right, How, number nine. Number nine. So we just talked about a running goal that wasn't talked about often. Now we're going to talk about a running goal that's often talked about and deservedly so. I think I know where you're going with this. (laughs) It's Michael Long's running goal in the 93 grand final. Now, so yes, from a less talked about one to a more talked about one, almost the same point in the game then. Essendon led Carlton by eight points at the 10-minute mark of the first quarter when Dustin Fletcher took a kick out and booted Long towards the middle where Sean Denham crumbed off a contest, sent a big handball out to Michael Long, hitting it full pace. He took two bounces, followed by a balk, then one more bounce, and then, like Jones, kicked a low mungle finger-breaking pun, as Rex used to say, that seemed to just clear Stephen Silvani's outstretched arms. Soss pleaded with the ump that he'd touched it, but to no avail. Uh, Yes, just speed, skill, determination, typified in one goal, on the biggest stage. Uh, this might be the poster boy moment for the Baby Bombers yeah, of that absolutely. period. And, yeah, it's just an amazing goal. Well, do you do you remember? The, were you old enough at this time? Probably to, not. To remember? I actually, I don't know where I got it from. Obviously, my parents bought it from somewhere. But we had a football record video. It was focused on the 93 oh season. Yeah, and I had that too. Some, some <laughs> of these moments in the 93 season just absolutely seared into my brain. Some of the commentary is amazing. And I think I can basically recite the commentary from this play. <laughs> that's how that's how seared into my brain it is. So it's Sandy Roberts, and it's a Sandy great Roberts. bit of commentary. So it's basically it when he receives, it's like, oh, away goes Michael Long. And he's bouncing yeah. down the wing. He's like, oh, um, he goes for another bounce, another bounce. And he's sort of counting it down. And he's like... Still going. Still going, yeah. (laughs) Still going. 40 metres out. Still going. 30 metres out. Oh, (laughs) it may have been touched on the line. No. And (laughs) Silvani probably touched it, but who cares? It was awesome. Very close. Very (laughs) close. Um, Yeah, just fantastic. Fantastic goal. Um, Also, uh, speaking of the 93 season, uh, just a little shout out for the... Greatest season that ever was podcast. We had Shannon Gill on earlier in the year, and I highly recommend this podcast to anyone who wanted to find out a bit more about that season. Yeah, I second that, Johnny. Shannon was awesome on the podcast with us, uh, Reliving 98. And this 93 uh, recap they do, I think it was their first season, greatest season it was, is amazing. It's not just necessarily about 93. They go in depth about, you know, the state of a lot of the teams at that point, yes. and there's some really interesting stuff kicking around. This is sort of really the era where the AFL's starting to try and get rid of some of the Victorian teams. There's a lot of bad blood coming out of suburbia into these bigger yes. grounds. So 
And the 93 season is an absolute cracker. So yeah, uh, yeah. highly uh, encourage anyone out there who wants to learn a bit more about one of the greatest seasons of AFL ever. A lot Certainly of the, won't be disappointed. Yeah, it's, it's sure. a fantastic listen. I think there's seven or eight episodes and each one focuses on a different team. Uh, yeah, go and listen to it. Absolutely. Number eight. So we get to number eight. So... We're going to play a bit of a guessing game here, Dan. I'm going to tell you what this play is. So, early in the game, Joe Montagna streams through the middle of the ground, loops a handball to Adam Schneider in the 50, as Nick Rewalt simultaneously leads back to the goal square on his own. Schneider laid the kick out to Nick, who marked it. Dan, what happens next? Well, I think Nick Rewalt's approximately eight metres out, and St Kilda's had a torrid time up to this point. I don't know how much score Collingwood's put on the board, but it's already quite obvious that St Kilda is struggling here. Nothing is quite going for them. And this is <clears throat> this is kind of their first bit of open play. And it looks like they've finally yeah. got through. And you can tell Rewalt just wants to make a bit of a statement by putting this into the third level of the MCG. Yep. So yep. what does he do? He plays on only for the desperate Heath Shaw to jump across his boot. And as he's sort of getting the ball to the boot, the diving Heath Shaw smothers it over the line. And, yeah, from that moment on, I think most people knew St Kilda weren't going to win this game. Correct for five points, Dan. <laughs> that is exactly right. So it is the smother from Heath Shaw, 2010 grand final replay, and that is exactly what happened. Nick Rewalt, yep, yeah, marked it, played on, was walking into an open goal. Heath Shaw out of nowhere from the left-hand side, diving in. For that smother, forcing rush behind, set the tone for the rest of the game. I totally agree with you. St Kilda were struggling. That was, yeah, the first real look at goal and one that they just really needed to bank and get onto the board. And it just didn't happen. And the rest was history. I'd also like to just quickly make reference to something that happened in the first game involving Heath Shaw. A very underrated moment, but it happens with about, uh, I think it might have been under 50 seconds left when Montagna, again, kicks inside 50 to, I think it's to Kajitsky, and there's a contest for pack forming. Ball hits the ground. There's I think there's Lumumba and there's a few others there. And I, I think it was Ben Reid who just flicks a handball out to Shaw. And as soon as Shaw gets the ball, he's thrown it onto the boot to snap it outside of 50. And I just thought, he got so much purchase on that ball in the the amount of time that he had it in his hands. It, it went about at least 40 metres, bounced outside the 50 towards the boundary line where I think Jason Graham and maybe Thomas or someone, I don't think it was Thomas, but uh, that contestant went out of bounds. I think that play saved Collingwood that grand final. Uh, that kick was just perfect for that moment. It could have gone anywhere and he got the best result out of it. No one really talks about it though how, how deep was that into the last quarter that that was with about 50 seconds left i think it was after the bounce that happened with milne yeah, yeah. it was it was the last thrust forward it was i think the moment where lee matthews said something like where's barry breen at the boundary throw-in <laughs> montagna just pumps it in yeah. there and came out to shore i thought it was a really really good kick uh but yeah just a little shout out to that bit of luck involved but yeah he, he did his bit of luck involved but he did the job he yeah. did the job uh, now we move on to number seven. 
And it is the 2006 Grand Final, and it's Daniel Chick's smother. So the Eagles were one point up, just as the old five-minute warning came up on Channel 10's coverage. Uh, Ryan O'Keefe tried to clear the defensive 50 when Daniel Chick just came in and laid the perfect smother, then shepherded to allow Adam Hunter to gather and kick the open goal to extend the lead to seven points uh, late in the 06 Grand Final. Uh, One of the ultimate team efforts I think I've seen in a Grand Final. Uh, There's been many sort of, I guess, front page acts, but this one... Maybe not quite as glamorous as the others, but definitely as important as any. What do you reckon, Dan? What are your memories of this grand final? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with your sentiments there, Johnny. This is a hugely important moment. And yeah, he just times this play absolutely perfectly. He he looks like he knows exactly what the Sydney player is going to do, gets the smother. And not only that, it's like a full body smother. So he basically... Yeah. He, it, does it, just remind me, does he actually take possession of the ball after the smother or it sort of ricochets towards goal and then someone else uh, picks it up? I'm pretty sure it ricochets towards goal and then Hunter gets yeah. it and he shepherds yeah. for him to it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, tight, very tight game, obviously. And, yeah, it's just a moment that sends the shivers down the spine. It's just yeah. that thing that's a little bit out of the ordinary. It was exactly what needed to happen at that point in time and, yeah, he, he Daniel Chick was always, you know, a guy who would do absolutely anything for his team. He was absolutely hard at it. And I think a moment like this just typifies that. And uh, yeah, obviously another player could have been there and done something similar, but I think it fits with the Daniel Chick mold that he was the one who did this at that time. And uh, yeah, d- doing it in this non-glamorous act of smothering and shepherding. But yeah, it's probably one of the best combo of smothers and shepherds in history, that yeah. you'd say. I think so. I think so. Uh, yeah, one of those players that would just always leave everything out there and you could always trust him to give his absolute best and more, really. Well, uh, I've got a quick story about this. You probably remember this, Johnny. I don't remember whether it was on his right or left hand, but he yes. actually had his... He was having a lot of trouble with his thumb and basically to be able to get back out there and play more quickly, he basically had it amputated. So he Correct. was playing with four fingers on one hand and obviously you, you can't reattach the finger after you stop playing. So, you know, he's got that for life now. So I guess that just shows, you know, the level of commitment there. I, I was tempted to come in with a quip when you said that uh, he was... Uh, willing to do everything for his team. I was going <laughs> to say, he was willing to lose a finger as well. Um, but yeah, I remember hearing a story about that. I think it got to the point where he either had to maybe have it fused or something. or So if he didn't have it removed, it would have just been, it, it wouldn't have moved. It would have oh, just been completely immobile. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so yeah, I guess it was just the, the easier option. But uh, we move on from that Great smother. Now, this is the only time that I do this in the top 10, but the uh, next moment is actually from the same game. All right. So, number so, six, we're up to, right? Well, <laughs> it actually sort of counts as number seven as well. Oh, okay. So, there might be a top 11. But, uh, look, I couldn't really mention this game without mentioning this moment. So, it's Rowan Jones versus Leo Berry in the last 30 seconds of this match. Uh Eagles are one point up straight after Nick Malchewski, I think, kicked the goal to bring it back to one point. And, uh, yeah, so 
the ball, I think, went out of bounds on the southern stand wing. And once it was thrown in, uh, Daniel Kerr thought it was a good idea to send a switch kick to the space on the members wing and directly into a Mexican standoff situation between uh, Rowan Jones and the previous year's grand final hero, Leo Barry. Neither of them wanted to give up. It was a pure 50-50 contest and somehow, someway, Rowan Jones was able to win that contest and help get the ball clear to prevent a certain forward 50 entry for the Swans. It was the epitome of the 50-50 contest that we love in AFL footy. Uh, and Daniel Kerr's kick really, nearly killed Rowan Jones. <laughs> but uh, this was a fantastic one-on-one. Uh, and I would say it won, it won the grand final. I just remember... I don't remember it that well, but I just remember that there was absolutely no one anywhere near these two players. It was, no. yeah, pure one-on-one. No yep. one's coming to help you. You've got to do it. Do something. Yep. <laughs> this is that old drill at training where you were lined up, coach would throw the ball out, one start, you know, one line, sorry, lines are opposite. You both run. There's the ball. Yeah. Come back with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, fantastic moment that. Absolutely. Now we move on to number six. Let's do six. Okay, Dan, what do these mean? What do these words mean to you? <clears throat> Tell Acker to go to the front of Lynchy, not to the back. <laughs> I get a bit muddled with these grand finals because you know one's close and one's really not. Um, I think it's 2002 that's close. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yep, that's correct. And uh, very wet day. Uh, Lions, I think they might have even been underdogs in this game, which seems possibly crazy. But uh, yeah, very wet day. Collingwood have been extremely gallant in this game. Buckley is playing like a man possessed. Yep. Absolutely doing everything he can. It's probably one of the best games I've ever seen Buckley play, actually. I think he Uh, would have to probably agree with that. He wins a Nom Smith. And, yeah, Ackermanis in his typical uh, game-breaking mould gets in exactly the right spot. Do you want to give us the particulars? Yes, yes, you're right on the money there. Uh, Look, game was in the balance. It was a wet day. um, And the Lions, I'm pretty sure, were up by three or four points, one of those. Five-minute warning flashes up again, as we became so accustomed to on Channel 10. And the ball was on the half-forward flank, Brisbane's half-forward flank. Ball comes out to Brad Scott, who pumps it inside 50 to an Alistair Lynch contest. Ball spills off the hands out to the right of of Lynch, where Jason Akermanis gathers it very cleanly and snaps over his shoulder to extend the lead to 9 or 10 points. I can't remember exactly what it was, but uh, it was one of the ultimate clutch moments of grand final history. And yeah, Aker was always the big, moment player and proved it on this occasion he was so clean like it was so such a slippery ball he took it as pure as you like snapping over the shoulder on the wrong side it was yeah it was a pure moment and uh he loved playing in the wet as well yeah <laughs> he was yeah. great in the wet absolutely um and yeah it, it was yeah fantastic goal and yeah a real hard fought grand final that one um uh, Maybe Collingwood a little bit unlucky with some of the decisions late, but that's, uh, yeah, that's footy. Yeah, that's it's another footy. great one to go back and watch. So if you uh, don't know much about 2002 Grand Final, definitely worth a watch. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, definitely the best 
in that sequence of grand finals that yep. Brisbane had. Yep. Um, and obviously, to explain to the listeners who weren't aware of what I was referencing, uh, they did a few, uh, I guess, special commentaries to these grand finals uh, called From the Lips of Lethal, and that was the audio feed from the coach's box. And uh, one of the famous uh, sound bites was Lee Matthews telling the runner to tell Aka to go front and square because <laughs> he'd been hanging out the back most of the day. Yep. To which Acker has explained that it was a wet day. The ball was scraping off the contest yeah. going at the back. He thought he was doing the right thing. But obviously, it's a masterstroke bit of coaching by Lee and <laughs> paid off. Absolutely. Let's go to All number right. five, eh, Johnny? Number five is commonly known as one name, really. Can you guess what it is, Dan? I'll give you one guess. I'm not going to get this one. It's one of those uh, the Names. Yeah. Nah, just tell me. No. Nah. Well, it's the toe poke. Uh, and yes. we all know the story. 2009 grand final. The scores are level. Uh, I think there was two or three minutes left. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, about But that. the Saints have not won the premiership for 43 years. Geelong looking to avenge the disappointment from the year before against Hawthorne. Steve Johnson kicks to a seemingly wide-open Gary Ablett Jr. through the middle when, coming like a freight train, Zach Dawson leaves his man and closes in at fantastic speed and makes a massive spoil that really he had no right to get to, but he somehow did. The ball heads into the direction of Matthew Scarlett, who manages to get a little soccer kick out to Ablett, who was still unguarded. And it pitched up perfectly for Ablett. As he streams towards the 50 while getting a shepherd from Scarlo, he sends the ball long to the goal square where the unself this is something that doesn't really get mentioned much, but the unselfish and fearless Max Rook with eyes only for the ball crashes the pack, which allows Shannon Burns to get it out to Travis Varco, who in turn gets it out to Paul Chapman and the rest was history. He snaps and the Cats were in front by six. Uh... This goal epitomised the team-first mentality, I thought, of the Cats. Max Rook was one of the toughest, toughest, most courageous players I think I've seen. Uh, what, what are your memories of this goal, Dan? Do you remember watching this grand final? Do you think it was one of the better ones? Yeah, absolutely. So I was very much going for St Kilda. <laughs> oh, I think of, a lot of people were. They've yeah. kind of been my second team for the majority of my footy watching. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I like the Saints too. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I had a great chance here and uh, missed a few chances. But, yeah, this play was awesome. I think what even made it even better was that the absolutely critical thing basically happened in the centre circle. I don't know why, yeah. but it just sort of seemed to magnify how important it was. No, so, you're right. So you're right. you have all these players converging in the centre and... You, you really can't tell what's going to happen next, whether it's just going to flick out or it's just going to be a stoppage. But yeah, somehow Scarlett just has the presence of mind to use the most delicate toe poke to get it out. And Ablett is absolutely in the clear, streaming through. Yes. And then there's a couple of very clean uh, possessions for Geelong after that pack is sort of split there and then you get the snap from Chapman. But yeah, just, I guess that's, a signature moment for Scarlett, just how, uh, you know, 
footy smarts dialed up to 100 and uh yeah seeing ablett stream out of the middle there was pretty fantastic as well it's just it's the ultimate geelong play like it is if yeah I guess the top five, obviously it is. But it, yeah, if you had to name one Geelong play yeah. from that whole era where they win three out of five premierships, this is the one. A hundred percent. And look, as I said before, it it really sort of um, magnified what that Geelong side was about. You had Max Rook just backing back, eyes only for the ball, crashes into the pack. Cam Mooney did a similar thing in that exact play. They both really crashed the pack, to be honest. And just allowed the little guys to get it out. It was, it was such a good team to watch. And uh, yeah, it all happened in the center circle. I think like that too. I I often think about that play and think, geez, what would it have been like to be those two guys in the center square as it was happening, like yeah, yeah. in their heads, like running towards <laughs> goal, MCG grand final day. Yeah, you know, you think funny things sometimes, but yeah. I think what no, uh, yeah, what magnifies it. this even more for me is just how good St Kilda was this year. Yes, I think how many yes, games yes, yes. Did they lose this season? Is it two or three? Like they were awesome. <laughs> like, yeah. You couldn't score against them. They were scoring really highly in their offense with uh, you know Milne, um, Kazitsky, Rewal all having huge years. So and. Yeah, I don't know, maybe a dry day would have suited them. But they had their chances. It was an awesome game. And I think it just sort of caps Geelong's, uh, you know, period. Because, you know, they had the grand final against Port where it was a walkover. Yep. And this is their crowning moment. They were a fantastic team for this era. And I think, you know, for your legacy, you, you probably need one of these grand finals where you're actually pushed. Yeah. For as much as for your supporters as much as anyone else just to have that you know ultimate memory of them doing something really significant on grand final day other than just winning the game which you know is its own significance but i think you want this sort of uh crowning moment if you're a supporter i think that uh this was the most important one definitely for their legacy because it could have gone so differently it could have gone so badly really i mean after being undefeated the year before but failing to win that last one, if this one went pear-shaped as well, I don't think there is a 2011 one if this one doesn't yeah, turn out well for cool. them, to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, just it's a real sliding doors moment. Like, they they gained a lot out of pinching this one. And, um, yeah, oh, I do actually kind of think it was a good result in the end because, uh, yeah, it was just nice night. to see that they were able to sort of solidify that legacy. But... I think on that day, there were definitely a lot of people that were hoping the Saints could get it done. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, it's going to be a bloody good top four if that's number five. Yeah. That's all i got to say. What's number four? Yes, yes. No, it is. it has been a hard one. Uh, but at number four, we go to the 2016 Grand Final, and it is Tom Boyd's goal in the fourth quarter. So... With just over five minutes left in this grand final, 62 years between premiership drinks for the Doggies. Josh Kennedy for the Swans tries to sneak a handball out to Buddy Franklin in the centre square where none other than Mr. Reliable Dale Morris lays a beautiful dispossessing tackle. Holding the ball is paid, but Tom Boyd is one step ahead, Dan. He's got other ideas. He picks the ball up from inside that square, launches it long to an open goal square, and for somehow the ball takes a right break and goes through, putting the dogs 15 points up. 
some people think this is the moment that sealed the flag for the dogs. I think uh, dogs fans who were probably as sceptical as I am about Melbourne were probably thinking it was more the Liam Picken goal that put him out to 22. But this was a massive, massive goal in that game. What did you think when Tom Boyd was able to do this? Yeah, this was awesome. I was at this game and uh, Tom Boyd had been great through this whole final series. He just had this presence. I don't know what it was, whether he just put everything aside for this four-week period, what it was. You know, he just couldn't get it going in his career. But for some reason in this prelim and this grand final, he was absolutely awesome. He was doing exactly what the team needed him to do. He was contesting hard in the ruck. He was getting around the ground. He was providing an option. And it was made all the more important, the fact that the Bulldogs had no other player who could remotely do what Tom Boyd was doing. Like, he wasn't a star, but I think his influence on this game, I would actually have given him the Norm Smith medal, just how influential he was on this game, even if the stat sheet may not show it. But there's no way the Bulldogs win this game without Tom Boyd. And uh, for me, this is definitely the winning moment. Uh, yeah, I said after it that, yeah, whisper to the guy next to me. Burton is his name. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. This that's, talk? That's, that's game over. And, like, what a moment. Just launching it. Like, it starts with Dale Morris, right? Absolutely yeah. pulverizing yeah. tackle on Franklin to dispossess Fantastic him. Table. Ball spills loose. Boyd picks it up and absolutely launches it. And that, that bounce was crazy. Like, it's basically gone, like... I don't exactly know where it landed. Maybe it's probably like pitched sort of two, two and a half meters out, and uh, it so easily could have gone through for a point. But yeah, yeah. it has a bit of a right break, and uh, yeah, I guess the doggy supporters to be. might say yeah, there was something that uh, was leading to that going one way and not the other. And uh, yeah, awesome, awesome play, love it. I got two quick questions. Where were you sitting, and do you still talk to the guy that you spoke to? After that goal, yeah. So we were we're up pretty high. We were on the third level of the MCC, but sort of uh, middle to lower part of that. So we were pretty much on the wing. Really good view. Uh, I probably yeah, prefer nice. to be on you know the second level, but very very. I don't. It's going to be very long time before I get second level for a grand final. But I actually quite like being higher up. You know, you can see the whole ground, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. But that's that's where that's I was a sitting. good spot on the wing. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, and yes, still talk to Burton a fair bit. He's in a uh, group with a lot of my high school mates, still have a text chain going with them and uh, see them occasionally. Not so much now with the lockdown, uh, but uh, yeah, we've gone to pretty much all the grand finals together since uh, 2011. I got my MCC one year before he did. I apologize. I didn't realize he was an old friend. I thought it was just some random that you said. Oh, no, no. And you you went, wow, that's an amazing goal too next to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been really good to see that goal live. Uh, would have been really good to see that grand final live. Yeah, it was awesome. In some ways, it doesn't feel like five years ago, but uh, yeah, it is. But I totally agree with you. I thought that there was something about Tom Boyd. He was going, he was doing it tough. He was doing it tough even that, in that period. He, he's admitted that, but... Uh, for that month and definitely that day, he was a colossus, and people remember it forever. Yeah, and, and obviously, like he was on the massive contract coming from GWS, and there was that whole thing about them wanting to get back at the Giants for taking 
Griffin and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, he never really lived up to the money that was paid to him. And I think he actually ended up not, you know, taking all the money when he retired, no, which is, he didn't, which is a good thing as well. But yeah, um, yeah, he never quite lived up to the expectations, but I don't think the Bulldog supporters mind one bit. You know, he's delivered them no. the first grand final in however long it was, a very long time. And uh, yeah, those two games, there's no way they win either of those without Tom Boyd. So great legacy piece there. Yes, yes, absolutely. And Tom's doing some good work these days uh, in the mental health area. And I think he's also studying business. So yeah, good luck to him. Next. Top we three. Are into, we've made it to the top three now, Dan. This is where the men are separated from the boys. No. no. <laughs> these, are, these are all great goals. These are all fantastic goals. And But number three. Oh, jeez. I don't want to launch t- right into it because this is one of my favorite moments. Uh, it's the 2012 Grand Final. And it's Nick Melcheski. It's his fourth quarter snap. So, Swans by four points. Lewis Jetta ends up with a mark outside 50. Right on his measure. He kicks for goal, but it falls short to the goal square. And a stoppage converges. It's a ball up. Uh, after the ruck contest, the ball is taken cleanly first by Dan Hennebury, who with lightning hands feeds it out to Nick Melcheski, who threw it onto his trusty left and seemingly in slow motion... Over post height, drifts through for a goal to extend the lead to 10 points and seal the 2012 Premiership. Dan, this, to be totally honest with you, Dan, this is my favorite moment in AFL Grand Final history. It's the one that I watch on YouTube the most every now and then when I'm on a random YouTube <laughs> nice. quest. Uh, it's one of the rare moments, other than after a siren in a close Grand Final, where I think I've ever really seen a great shot of a team just in pure elation and knowing that they've won the flag. As soon as that, I like the celebration almost as much as the goal. As soon as the <laughs> ball goes through, seeing those guys and the looks on their face as they got around Nick was just, it's hard to explain. And Dennis Cometti's commentary is absolutely top drawer on this goal. Like, it's just amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it, Dan. What, what, what are you, what are your thoughts? From memory, there was 50 seconds left on the clock. So the yep. the Swans had it deep inside their 50. So, yeah, if you give up the stoppage there, obviously Hawthorne can transition it down and have one last chance. So, yep. um, yeah, there's there's that element weaved into it. And, uh, yeah, Melcheski had done not something unlike this in the first quarter where he just basically thrown it on the boot and it had just float, floated through. So I think it was the first goal of the game. First goal of the game, yeah. So yeah. he had form. <laughs> but yeah, he did. That, that handball from Hanbury was immaculate and uh, yeah. he, had, he had a bit of time, not a lot of time, but you know, enough time to jam it on the boot. And yeah, I don't even know if the ball was actually spinning it was just sort of floating and yeah, yeah it was i guess that's the sort of slow motion part of it and it just tracked towards the goal and yeah just to sink such a good hawthorne side that's an amazing game and an amazing way for a grand final to end yeah uh, fantastic grand final and arguably maybe it was the catalyst for the three peak that hawthorne had 
to follow. Maybe it was the the no pain, no gain thing. Uh, who knows? But yeah, this is definitely one of my favorite moments. I got it number three because I'm being objective, but I love that moment. We've got two left. Number two. See if you can guess it. I'm no good at this, Johnny. Let's keep going. Nope. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Okay, so look, I've gone with the 2018 Grand Final. Dom Sheet. Yeah, this I, I would have best... thought that would have been top two, but yeah, I don't know. You're putting me on the spot. I'm panicking. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. That's There's no problem with that. No problem with that. And it's it's a good thing that they're the guys who perform under pressure. And uh, yeah. <laughs> um, they're one of the best passages of play I've seen in a grand final. Once again, we know the story. Pies are up two points. I think with two and a half minutes left, maybe three. Uh Adam Trelaw sails a kick into the 50 with the Pies leading. When Jeremy McGovern peels off his opponent and takes a cracking defensive mark, he kicks to the center wing very quickly to Nathan Vardy, who marks and also plays on quickly and kicks long to the half-forward flank, where Liam Flyin' Ryan takes a screamer of a mark. He plays onto the pocket, and it's Dom Sheed marking. With the help of a block, no block call from Willie Rioli on Brandon Maynard, you decide. I'm not here to talk about umpiring interpretations today. I'm here to talk about great grand final moments. So, Dom, yeah, Dom Sheed has the ball. And with his trusty left foot and the avid Collingwood fans in his ears, he swung his kick back beautifully and gave the Eagles the lead, which they never gave up. Absolute magic. Absolute magic. It was the perfect... Uh, advertisement of how the West Coast Eagles played in their game style, the kick mark style. Uh, what do you think, Dan? Is this the right spot for this moment? I'm struggling to think what's number one, if this is number two, but I'm sure there's something I'm missing, but maybe that's a better question after we've gone through one. But yeah, this is just a magical bit of play. Like every piece of this is just fantastic. So yes. it starts with McGovern, um, I can't remember where he's beating one or two, but great contest in the back line, winning the ball back, landing on his feet like a cat and just gets it off as quick as possible, opens up the space. Vardy marks strongly on the wing, gets the ball going quickly, and then Ryan competing against two bigger opponents, launches into the air as he does and takes it very cleanly. And uh, yeah, the game sort of just opens up a little bit from there. Sheet is in a bit of space. And for the record, I don't, think that's a free kick it was very very close but I am glad they didn't pay that as a free and then yeah ice in his veins from the boundary line right side for a left footer but not much daylight and uh kick is as straight as an arrow that's all yes. she wrote 100 percent. Uh, you're right every piece of this play is just incredible for the record I also have never really believed that it was a free kick uh I think it was line ball but if you watched the whole game and you saw how this game was being umpired, you'd understand why they didn't pay it. It was very hard. They were letting a lot of things go. Uh, you know, I think Pendlebury nearly had his head ripped off in the first, uh, in the first <laughs> quarter. And uh, yeah, it was playing. They really were, were just letting it flow. And that's, you know, some people like the, the game being umpired that way. Uh, yeah, it was, it's close to another one that's one of my favorites really but uh 
I don't know if you've ever seen this, Dan. There's a there was a video on I think it's still on YouTube, but it was an interview with Will Schofield. I think very shortly after that grand final, um, he was saying that he actually because he was in the back line, obviously. He sprinted forward, I think, just before Trelaw got the ball, and um, it was a like a. He thought it was a contest they were going to win, and he was running right through the middle of the MCG, pretty much unguarded. And it was basically a situation where they just had to win that contest, and it was either going to be he was either going to end up with it and uh, loop it over to someone in the fifty for an open goal, or he would have run in and had a shot himself. It was one of those situations. Um, but they lose the 50-50 contest and he's up in the middle of the ground and he's left Jordan to go on his own in the goal square. And <laughs> he's just said at that moment, he thought, oh God, what what have I done? Uh, go is on his own. But he said it kind of helped because it, it meant that, um, it meant that he sort of gave a lot of stick to Jeremy McGovern for not, um, <laughs> for not manning up a lot and just, peeling off a lot <laughs> yeah yeah he said that having if it was anyone else who would have manned up mcgovern doesn't if it wasn't mcgovern and it was someone else who wanted to take to go then that mark that mcgovern takes doesn't yeah, it wouldn't have been a mark yeah no no it, so the fact that mcgovern he, he said he literally said he's like oh because mcgovern's so lazy and he can't he doesn't press the, the opponent and that he happens to be loose and he just happened to take that mark and yeah so he actually kind of takes credit for it by saying, "Oh, I, you know, that, that was all me." <laughs> but look, it was a bit funny. It, it, it's just really strange because it's those moments. It's those moments. Um, the the Eagles also had missed a lot of shots in this quarter as well. Yeah, heaps, and it just happened heaps. to be the hardest set shot that they happened to nail. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, this was a fantastic, fantastic bit of play, and yeah, I could watch it again and again. Brings us to number one. Dan, what is one of the most iconic pieces of commentary in AFL Grand Final history? You're really putting me on the spot here, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling. I'll give you a. Uh, I'll give you some kind of hint. Um, it happened at the end of one of these Grand Finals. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I know where you're going with this. Well, it, it, I thought you were saying they were all goals, though. You kind of threw me off with that. Uh, no, no, no. They're all great moments. Great moments. Yeah, I thought you yes. mentioned at one point you were saying they were all goals. Um, yeah. So, no. So we're going no, to... We've got the Jones and Barry as well. Yeah. But most of them are goals. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to... I'll let you do the description, but yeah. Leo, Barry, you star. Yes, that's correct. Sorry, just to clarify the criteria, it was single moments. That might have sounded like goals. But anyway, yes, the it is. Leo Barry, you star, exactly. The Swans, four points up, 72-year premiership drought, wrenching their neck like an albatross. Leo Barry sends a long kick down the line, only to be marked by Dean Cox. Cox roosts it into the 50 with seconds left, and with Mark Seabee's hands actually poised to mark it, Leo Barry flies in from the side, and takes the most important mark of his career, bar none, and the Swans break that drought. That is what I have as number one, as the most important moments in grand final history. Uh, thoughts? 
It's a great you would moment. Have one, wouldn't you? It's a great moment. <laughs> it wouldn't have been my one. I don't know whether you've ever you actually watched. Oh, what's that? Sorry. You you would have had Sheed at one, yeah. I probably would have done Sheed one, yeah. So, I don't know whether you ever actually watched back the um, 05 Grand Final, and I, I don't want to rain on this too much. No, it's garbage. <laughs> it's a garbage Grand Final, it is, isn't it? It is a horrible game. Yeah. <laughs> it's always going to It's a hard-fought game. I'll give it, it that. Yeah, it's, it's a hard-fought dour game. It is a hard watch when you know the result, um, especially the first half. The second half is a little bit better. It's a very... Hard game to watch for a grand final, and uh, I think yeah. 06 was better. 06 was a great game, loved it, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's a great moment, it's a great bit of commentary. I would have, I'm actually not, I know you're saying CB's there ready to take it. I'm actually not 100% convinced a West Coast player would have marked that, but you know, you don't, you don't know that, but I yeah. don't think I definitely. It's a bit of a, it's clutching at a little bit of straws, but it was, the danger was there. The danger oh, yeah, was the there. danger was, was definitely there. It was there. a chance. It was a chance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like if the criteria is, you know, closest to the bell, deciding the grand final, yeah, tick. So it gets that. I think just in terms of how spectacular um, that West Coast play is, I'd probably give the edge to she just, yeah. It's almost magical, that sequence. And I guess yeah. some people would say this is a magical mark too, especially if you roll in, you know, the fact that Sydney hasn't won for, what was it, 74 years or something. So, yeah. I've got no problem with you arguing that the Sheed one could have been number one, definitely. And maybe on another day I would have picked it number one. Uh, look, it's just the story. It's the 72-year premiership drought. It's the, you know, it's that whole... Yeah, just being so starved for success and it's on the line and maybe, uh, you know, it's one of those moments where a psychologically strong, mentally tough, only the mentally tough sort of survive. Yeah. And yeah, it just, I just thought it was, it was perfect. And I think it's just the best commentary line ever. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely, I absolutely loved when Sydney won that you know, after such a long time and, you know, they did it the hard way. They weren't a star-studded team. They had stars, but, you know, they had to do it the hard way and, uh, yeah, one point in a grand final. So, and winning it with the last play where it still could have gone the other way. So definitely one for the time capsule there. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, that's that brings us to the end. Special mentions. Uh, look, Brendan Goddard's mark in the 2010 grand final. Uh who else? Uh, I don't know. One of Stewie Jew's goals in 08. That was pretty good. Um, Travis Varco kicked a really good one in that 2011 grand final late in the game, I thought. And he also kicked the first of the game. So, yeah, look, we can just discuss these until the cows come home. But uh, this is the list. And, uh, yeah, send all your hate mail to <laughs> mail at gmail.com. <laughs> no, you did a really good job there, Johnny. That was a really <laughs> solid list. And I really enjoyed you. Li- reliving a lot of those so that was great fun and maybe we'll have our own signature moment from uh, the Melbourne game on the weekend against the Bulldogs but maybe hopefully not because if we get one of these signature moments it might mean Melbourne's in a bit of trouble as well <laughs> so you yeah can't, you'd have to go through the stress yeah, yeah you can't get these moments without having quite a considerable amount of stress so we'll see what happens eh? risk it all. yep uh, well, we'll leave it there. Uh, hopefully you've enjoyed uh, this 
extra episode for grand final week and uh yeah were some of these some of the top moments that you can remember i'm sure quite a few of them were but yeah if you do have any uh thoughts on the best moments in grand final history from 1990 onwards as johnny said do send us an email at footytimemail at gmail.com and uh yeah see what the footy time public thinks on that other than that thanks again for the list johnny Thoroughly enjoyed it. No problems. No problems. Hopefully people did enjoy it and keen to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, enjoy Grand Final Week. Bye for now.